something a little different. Myself, Al and Eamon, we've been on the road um, and we went to Nottingham Comic Con where we asked and they allowed us to do a panel on autobiographical comics with the brilliant Roger Langridge. Um, it's been recorded by Eamon at the time so there's I find that the audio is a little bit shaky at points but I think you can get it all. Most of it's pretty clear, it's come out okay I think. So here it is for you to have a listen. <music> So thanks to everyone for coming, there's some people I know, some people I don't know. So what we're going to do is talk today about autobiographical comics. Um, Roger's here, Roger Langridge, who created this, The Planes, The Feed. Um, if anyone's seen it, it's available on his table. You've seen it at the back, you read it? Yeah. Yeah, enjoy it? No, say no, it's fine. The, <laughs> the, uh, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to start off with a little conversation about what makes a good one. And then we're going to move back into a little conversation with Roger about his sort of approach to it. There's some interesting things that have come up in relation to how you deal with your own life when you put it into print, essentially. It's quite an interesting area, isn't it? And then we're going to ask you like, questions from yourselves, if you've got any questions um, at the back there. Um, so let's start with some introductions. Um, so, Eamon at the end there, Mega City Book Club, he does a podcast about um, the galaxy's greatest comics. Got that right, Eamon? Yeah, yeah I, I do a podcast about British comics, and I haven't got a copy with me, but I do a... I've edited the most recent edition of a charity anthology comic called DUI, which you can buy inside as well. And all the proceeds go to cancer research. Yeah, because I heard you talking about Drink and Draws just a second ago, so I wasn't yeah. being nosy. But we're, we're hosting a Drink and Draw next week. Oh, cool. Uh, for our students, and we're like, we're lecturers at NTU. Oh, brilliant, yeah. Because <laughs> we ran, from, from our podcast, we, or joint podcast, we ran one on lockdown on yeah. Zoom. And that's where that comes from. So everyone's. Oh, wow. Wow. And we can here. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just got a book from him. <laughs> I have never laughed out loud as loud as I did when I read one of the scripts. There you go. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Obviously, you've met Roger already. Uh, so Roger's got a table. You're on this floor, aren't you, Roger? Yes, yes. I'm just. I mean, you can see me from the door. I, I think I saw it. Yeah. I, mean, I think I did. So I was just I was just making rounds because there's a few people that I know here, so that's why I, was, I just wanted to make sure that I got around to everybody. Yeah, yeah, cool. So Roger's worked for Marvel, um, Boom, um, done the Muppets, um, Fred the Clown is probably my favourite thing. What's I'm going to say? It's my favourite. My favourite. Did you do anything for Marvel? I did Thor. I did. Th I wrote Thor the Mighty Avenger yeah. with Chris Sumney. Um, wow! How, how, when was this? Oh, about ten years ago. When the first Thor movie was coming out, they had all the they flooded the shelves with Thor books. <laughs> that was a good. <laughs> Which is why mine sunk without a trace. I think. No, and the best Captain Britain as well for eight. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, really good. The, yeah, we we're very fun of that. One. The the editor and I wanted to do a Captain Britain book, uh, and we we got really really close to having it approved, um, and then when that fell through and the Thor book came up, he insisted I put Captain Britain in. There. Oh, nice. Oh, very uh, cool. That's the worst. That's the worst. I've worked with a bunch of editors at Marvel in the. In the 90s, from the early 90s to like the mid 2000s, and it's like it, you'll promise something and it's just about there, and then it's refused at the last minute. It's the worst feeling. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah cool. So well, maybe get into that. Well, all different when you do an autobiographical comic because you can put everything in there, I suppose, can't you? Well, let's hope not. I've some published yeah. stuff that I've done before, but never any, not, not as brave as this gentleman here as we go to autobiography. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. it's all lies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot to see there, Dad. And last one to introduce is um, Alan Henderson, who does the Penguin. Also appears on the Never On Anything podcast, which is one of the ones I do. Um, and he's just outside the door and right. You can go and buy comics about penguins. Yep. Very amusing. Um, 
Whenever I buy, I made a joke on the podcast that they're great for the toilets. Um, you can read a couple on the toilet. We'll talk about that in a minute as well with you. But, uh, great on the toilet. You, mine's great on the toilet. You can read it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one, yeah. Yeah. And he always sends me a bit of toilet paper along because he thinks it's yeah, fine. Yeah. But there you go. So that's what we do today. Um, just one quote to start off with. I did have second thoughts about sending them off to be printed, which is what came from R. Spiegelman. Everyone knows Mouse. Everyone knows the comic Mouse. But that's a quote I got from him from the um, Comics Journal from about 20 years ago. And we're going to talk a bit about you're putting your life out there. How much, you know, you pretty, we all, for those who make comments, you press send, you think, oh no, what have I done? What will people think? You know, which is times 10 when you put your own life out there, isn't it? You know, it's quite an interesting area. Um, so we're obsessed with the lives of others in autobiographical comics. We read them all the time. This is certainly a genre I'm very fond of. Um, so guys, should we start with you, Roger? Why are we so obsessed with other people? Why do you think? Uh, I suppose, you know, when you're, um, when you're reading things, you're looking for, for a, a point of entry. You're looking for relatability, I suppose. Yeah. Um, a point of identification. Um, and, and if you're documenting your own life, or if somebody is documenting their own life, there's a, a very good chance that they're going to um, have a lot of similarities to, to the reader, just because, you know, we've all got these shared human experiences. Yeah. That's interesting, and perhaps very poignant during COVID when we didn't have any proper contact. With yeah, 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 you know, is that isn't there? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Al? Why, why are you going to the You like and then you're fond of. Yeah, I think. I'm not sure what I just said. I think it, it, it does give you an insight, um, and certainly, it sometimes gives you an insight into how you deal with other people as well. So there's a number of books that have been produced on a autobiographical basis talking about mental health issues, and. While it might not be something I'm facing into, I might be working with other friends who, who have similar things and therefore it's giving you the insight to say, well, that's what's inside their heads. And therefore that, that for me has been, been a really interesting thing. Um, certainly some of the work of, that, that Rachel Smith has done um, and the, the whole black dog storylines that she puts out there has made me be able to understand certain other people better. And say right now, now I get this. I understand how to deal with them, what works for them, and not. Um, and so you know that's that's the way I think to get into it. With it is about saying what is the purpose of this? The person's autobiographical comic is it that they're trying to say this is something? You know, I, I say to be to be a successful autobiographical comic it has to be one of three things, at least, which is either beautiful, informative, or funny. It can be it can be a combination of all of those things, but it, you know. You know so it might just be, oh, I'm looking at something that, that they've seen and it's beautiful and therefore I'm, I'm enjoying that. Or it's informative because it's actually telling me about a situation that they've gone through that, that I'm, I can now get an insight into. Or it's funny, which what, what Roger tries to do, hopefully, <laughs> it tends to be successful. Eight times out of ten. That, you know, that because that, you're going, well, that's fine. It's just it's, it's slice of life and it's just a bit of um, bit of humour into to the daily prose. Yeah, yeah, it's a daily cycle. There is a sort of a massive different things. We've got diary, memoir, and there's different things. What what fascinates you, Eamon, about? Because it's the human condition we're looking at in an autobiographical comic, aren't we, really? Yes, and I'll, I'll very quickly give you, like, you know, theory of childhood and imposter syndrome, that when you're a kid, you see adults functioning in the world and you think they've all got it sorted out, they all know exactly what they're doing. And then you become an adult and you realise, I don't know what I'm doing. Are all these other people, you know, am I the only one? And then you read something like American Splendor 
by Harvey Picar or our cancer year by Harvey Picar and Joyce Brabner and Frank Stack. Uh, and I should just quickly mention, of course, Harvey Picar, lots of other artists worked with him. Yeah. But you read, you read these books and you find, actually, pretty much everybody's going through the same sort of stuff you're doing and they're, what's in their heads. And it may be just like in one of Roger's ones where he describes walking the dog in the park and stuff that happens and stuff that he's thinking about while his dog is being the most evil dog in the world. <laughs> um, or it may be, you know, our cancer year with Harvey Picar. But I think, it, I think it's that. I think it's what everybody else has said. It gives us this insight into other people and actually see, for the most part, they're going through exactly the same nonsense in their heads that we are. For me, I find it incredibly reassuring in a way. Um, so yeah, that. That's interesting. I mean, I've got a fascination for the lives of others. It's just pure nosiness. <laughs> right. That's why I kind of like. I like it. I like to see an insight into. I also like to look at them, look down on them, and really realise my life's much better than this. That's why. Right. So we've got. Um, we've got. So we've we've worked out why we like them. What makes a good one? Right. It's. I know it's tastes and horses for courses, but what makes a good one for you, Roger? Um. My uh, inclinations have always been towards humour. So uh, having a sense of what's absurd about life, I think, is, is what I'm looking for a lot of the time. And I like it to be, um, it doesn't have to be well drawn, but it has to be thoughtfully drawn. Yes. Um, I, think, I think you can get away with it's quite a primitive style. I think it's actually an, um, an enhancement to a lot of autobiographical strips because it's Closer to one's handwriting. Is it an instinctual way of drawing, when it's with more so when you're drawing about your own self almost? You know, there's a bit more emotion, do you think, on the page somehow? I think there's different ways into it. I yeah. think, you know, somebody like um, John Porcelino yeah. um, strips everything down very deliberately um, and quite thoughtfully, I think, and, and turns it into something that is very close to handwriting, it's just symbols. Um, yeah. With me, it's speed. I'm just drawing it very, very quickly, and so I don't have time to second guess myself. And okay. I think that maybe makes it more honest. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we're putting it through the lens reason. of an editor, maybe. You know, there's no editor can say to you, "Well, I don't think you'd do that there." You know, it's almost yeah, that, yeah. isn't it? You know, I don't there is there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Al, what about you? John Porcelino. Jordan. John. John. With a J O N. John. John Porcelino. P-O-R-C-E-L-I-N-O. John Porcelino. He's one of those. He's a King Cat King Cat comics. Yeah. 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 Okay. And and therefore, you know, it, it's much like looking at Instagram and going, oh, there's everybody's daily breakfast photo and go, well, that's not meaningful for me at all. But if it has a purpose, then then it, it makes more, more sense. So if, if a diary comic's there to either deliver, like, this is the story of what I went through. So this is a John Porcelino's book about his year in hospital or um, the, the cancer book that we talked about there. Where again, it's, it's the purpose there is to tell the story of what went through. And it's a memoir of what happened. That, that, you know, that, that's, that gives it something. The purpose, however, might also just be, I'm here to put a smile on your face today. Yeah. And just say, something funny happened to me yesterday. This is what it is. And that is the purpose. But if it is just literally just, I got up this morning and 
I had uh, beans on toast at lunchtime and then I went to bed. That, that for me starts to fill down because yeah. you're not telling me anything or giving me anything that, about you as a person who's producing the book. It has to be uh, you know, something that's in yeah. it. There's a great, it's not a comic, but there's a great book by Kevin Smith, his autobiography, where it's literally the first 200 pages is about what he watches on television and what he had from tea. And then there's 100 pages about how he got his friend through rehab, and that's by far the most interesting bit. You know, that real life thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a complete autobiography of your life, but that memoir section of something that's interesting. What draws you to them? What do you like? Um, well, as I said, I like that insight to find out that other people have got stuff that I recognize in my life, those sort of complications. Um, we mentioned the different types of autobiographical comics. I quite like a, a travelogue as well. Yeah. I quite like the, the, you know, the memoir on holiday one, where there's, as you say, there's something going on um, that people are talking about. So I've got, this is uh, Carne de Voyage by Craig Thompson. Everybody knows Blankets by Craig Thompson. I think this is better. It's also slimmer Blankets. <laughs> um, but this is his, like, he's a travelogue memoir, um, lots of lovely sketches and so on. So yeah, I think I, all of them would be a bit of a broad answer, but where there's actually something happening um, in the person's life and you get the insights into what's going on. Um, I, you ha as Alan has said, I think you have to have something to say in the comic. There has to be something happening other than just the trip to the corner shop to get the coffee and not talk to the person behind the counter who you really want to talk to, whatever and then walking back. Um, if you can do it with a comedy dog, then that's, you know, <laughs> that's about an advantage, yeah. I was gonna say, the one counterpoint I would put to that, particularly if it's, and this is where, if it's an actual diary comic versus a memoir story, there are certain days when you can say, this was the mundane day. But that's because that's part of the, the bigger narrative. Yeah. So you can kind of go, Monday, Tuesday was really exciting, and this is what happened. Thank God Wednesday was mundane. And Thursday and Friday's kicked off again. And, but in the narrative, that works. But if it was all just the mundane, then it doesn't work. But that's just about putting beat points in, which helps with humour as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I think we're, for those that have done them, I've not done any autobiographical comics, but I've certainly done, I think, to a certain extent, all comics that are personally done are somewhat autobiographical. I think you have to put, be prepared to put stuff out, Roger, do you think? I mean, you... Your life's now, I've got your life, what I consider to be your life anyway, in this yeah. book here now, is it? I mean, it is a curated version, yeah. to a certain extent. It's inevitably going to be. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't want to hurt other people. Um, but do you, did you, did, was there a sort of pause in you when you, you know, when you started doing this? Do you think, do I really want to put my life out there, or? Well, for me, it was, it, was, it came from the other way. Um, I wanted to do a daily strip. My heroes are people like E.C. Seagar and, George Herriman, who did daily yeah. strips. Um, uh, so it's something I'd always wanted to do. And when I started doing one, uh, I decided to sort of mine my daily life simply because it would be a source of material. Uh, and it would save me having to come up with something completely invented every day. Yeah. Um, so that's that's sort of how the ball started rolling, really. Um, did you ever consider doing a kind of, I know um, Minimum Wage, which we'll talk about in a minute, by Bob Fingerman is, he calls himself something else. Yes. You know, did you consider doing that? This like family that's a bit like your family or? Um, I did, but I think it's hard to sell it 
as okay. I don't think people are as invested in it yeah. if they think it's somebody else than if they think it's you. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Eddie Campbell found yeah. this because he started off doing Alec, and then at a certain point he just became Eddie. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I think he realised that was maybe a little bit too distancing. Eddie Campbell's comics were, as I've read them, brilliant, really worth looking at. Yeah, and they're quite personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really are. But very funny as well. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Obviously, everybody knows this one. Would say that Al Davidson's Spiral Cage is also highly recommended as well. Very good. Yeah. There's a sort of element of bravery there, isn't there, I mean, You know, he's put himself out there. There's a lot of personal stuff. There. It's an awful lot of personal stuff about yeah. his own, yes, his own problems with, obviously, he has spina bifida and his, you know, his life with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what about you, Al? Would you be prepared to put yourself out there, or are you too private a person, do you think? If you, someone said, I love the penguins, but let's make it about you now, my friend, would you do that? Um, if I felt I had a story to tell, that's right. the other thing. It's all okay. Thinking. So, but again, I mean, I, we had a night out last night. There's a big story there, my friend. Isn't <laughs> that's <I>? true. <laughs> yeah, I, I need um, I need enough time to pass so that the criminal record. Doesn't come. <laughs> the um, no, I think that so doing a daily strip myself, there there is a bit of me that ends up in that anyway because you have to be reflective of where you are in your, in your life and what your mood is or what your your current sensibilities are. Or what, what you've interacted with that period of time, it just creates ideas, and therefore there's that, that just naturally makes its, makes its way into the the, the daily strip. It, but I wouldn't necessarily intentionally set out to say, I went into the office today, and this was the exciting things I saw in the office. Um, and part of my reason for, in, in some ways, for, for doing the daily strip I do is actually to get away from the mundaneness okay. of my life, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the office life piece of it, yeah. at least. So there is that, that balance. But you're right, I think that's where you end up going, right, what have what of yourself is actually reflected in any piece of work that you do, rather than just specifically setting up saying, this is me inside that. Yeah. Um, that, that said, again, it's, it depends how quickly you're putting out the autobiographical stuff. And that's where I think there's a big difference between saying, I'm doing a diary versus I'm doing a memoir. Yeah. Um, not least of which because with the memoir you do a lot more of the curation point of the yeah. things and you can move the order around of what actually has happened in, in, the, in terms of the sequencing or you can um, chop and change who's who and then things like that and so it's a lot easier to do. So I think that, that's from a retrospective perspective that that probably is more where I end up putting some of myself into my work but it's, well that happened five years ago and I'm now saying, so if I say the penguins are going to a comic convention it's probably not going to be this convention. It's probably a convention I was at ten yeah. years ago. Yeah, we we have a lot of stuff. We have a question from the audience. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I didn't know whether we were meant to. Yeah, feel different. I'll yeah. get it by the end. Um, <laughs> so you said like the difference between a diary and a memoir. Is it the time between it? Like a memoir happens from like your memory. I think technically a memoir is a section of time over an event. An autobiography, autobiography is, is your life. A memoir is a certain era. And a diary is something you would do every day. So, yeah. the way that I do, or I think, when I was thinking about coming to this, I, I split autobiographics, autobiographical comics into four categories. There's probably others, but this is just me. So there's, there's diary comics, which is literally what happened the day before. Okay. Which became very common during COVID, you know, and, quite, a, quite a few people were doing it, you know. And even within that, there's, there's, there's scope as to how we actually, actually deal with that. You then got the memoir, which might be somebody at um, a later point in their life writing about their youth or whatever, you know. You've then got event-based autobiochromics, which is either the travel log, as in, and there's some great work out there by Neil Lawrence as well about all the different cities he's visited. Um, 
or it might be somebody going, this was the wedding or something like that. And then the, the last main category, I think, for autobio is, is health, which we, as we've already mentioned. So it can be health. So it can be the cancer journey, the mental health journey, the, you know, dealing with a heart attack or whatever, where somebody's gone, right, that's the thing I want to talk about. Now, there are other categories as well, but I say to me, they, that's a nice way to kind of say they, they build up in that sort of sense. Thank you. Cool, thanks a lot. So I'm going to just talk through some examples, and if anyone's got any they want to bring up, or any questions, or anyone you want to suggest the audience, please do. But um, I think we've, mentioned, we've just mentioned Carnegie Voyage, yeah. Craig Thompson, which is the one I'm going to mention. Did you want to talk about this one? Yeah, I mean, it's New York. You know, it's is that one mine? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. We'll talk about this one here. So InWaves came out from No Brown 2019. It's, um, it's a guy by the name of AJ Dungo, who is a um, D-U-N-G-O, who's a hunting, he's from Hunting Division in, in, in California. And he's, um, he, he came into No Brow, I, I work at No Brow Comics, and he came in there and he said to Sam, the editor and the publisher, I want to do a comic about um, my girlfriend dying. And his girlfriend had previously, very, it was very soon after she died. And they went through it and um, he's, he's an ex extremely good editor there. And he said, look, this is really good, but it needs something to explain it, almost to flesh it out and to, to, to show the world you lived in. So it's a combination of a story about his girlfriend, who you can see there, when she was very ill. And AJ and her were both really, really big surfers. Anyone's been hunting the beach, you can't walk in the sea, a kid is the biggest wave you've ever seen in life. And so he combined it with the history of surfing, which sounds a bit weird, but it actually really works. And it's, it's um, well, I recommend it to everyone as a book to buy. Um, and it will, it will utterly break you. It's the saddest story, but have you read it? Got rid of it. No, I'm angry. What's the name of it again? In Waves. In Waves? Yeah. The, and the author? AJ, so just the initials. Dungo, D-U-N-G-O. Um, yeah, extremely good. And he did it in a very stylized. So to indicate the periods he's talking about in the, in the book, he used different colors and different styles. So the stuff that is back in the past, which he's talking about the history of surfing, was done in sepias and browns and yellows. And the stuff, in relation to the in waves, so grief comes in waves being the theme of it, he used the blue and the green on those pages. Very, very beautifully done. Really interesting. Anything you want to talk about? Well, just Adrian Tomine, um, obviously well-known cartoonist in America. I think that is his latest one, is the is almost presented like a diary notebook in its, like in its layout. And again, it's just day-to-day um, -day travails, Wonderful drawings. Um, yeah, I just I would recommend that one as well. Um, as so the one in Iceland, did it just win the Iceland? Did it win an Iceland? Right. Yeah. Okay. And it's the it's the you know it is the interesting travails of an artist trying to produce something on a regular basis. Mm. Yeah. Very very clean line as well. Yeah, so that sort of clean line style is, is beautiful to see. I think sometimes we see underground and, and autobiocomics as being almost like a bit crazy drawn. You know, there, we see that sort of raw magazine weirdo magazine thing going on occasionally. Not with you, Rich. <laughs> Uh, but these ones, you can see the Julie Doucette New York stories down the bottom there. It's, it's almost got an underground feel to it. There's, there's different approaches. If you, if you um, listen to our Spiegelman talk, he talks about autobiographical comics being a genre, which is quite an interesting approach. So this is a specific genre, even though an autobiographical comic kind of can be about all different areas, all different places. One can be a thriller, one can be a romance, you know. But he actually refers to it as a specific genre, which is quite interesting. So minimum wage is the one that I just mentioned by Bob Fingerman. Bob's great. Um, 
I particularly put that cover up. This is um, he uses it. Bob. It's essentially Bob, but and Bob has got dark hair, but he made his character have blonde hair. Um, and it's a story of Bob's romantic life. Let's call it that. Um, it's quite adult only. Um, and I love. I do love this cover because it speaks to a lot. I love. A, I love a cover that tells a story. And the one with the thumb covering the face of his ex-wife is particularly poignant if you're reading it. It's almost like a spoiler when you get to that point. You know, so I, I highly recommend that. Do you want to talk about Say, so the, the black and white one up in the top there, that's um, Dustin Harbin, who is a, I think he's a Canadian uh, artist. No, he's, um, I think, uh, North Carolina. North Carolina? Oh, okay. oh, the real. I met him in Canada. That's what, that's what I was confusing. I met him at TCAP. Um, who, again, produces a, or for a long period of time, was producing a daily strip as um, his life diary. Um, and it's, it's, it's got a lot of the beautiful side of it because it's a lot about the countryside that he lives in and the, the interaction that he has with nature, um, as well as then having a lot of funny, humorous aspects to it as well about just how his, his daily life goes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, me again, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the bottom one there is, I thought you said he's at me. I said, no. Uh, <laughs> I look all right. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the one, has anyone heard of Stephen Appleby's work? Anyone yeah. in the room? Yeah. Stephen Appleby, um, he's a Campbell, South London creator. Um, this is a book called Drag Man. It won last year's Grand Prize at Angoulême. Um, and this is what I suppose is a pseudo autobiography. Um, Stephen has been dressing as a woman. He calls himself still, uses the he pronoun. Um, he's been dressing as a woman since, I think, the 90s. Um, and he wrote a story about his coming out to his family and to his wife and his parents and that he liked to dress in that way by saying that when he puts his puts female clothes on, it gives him superpowers, which is a lovely little analogy for the trans experience sort of thing. He calls himself a transvestite, but I think it, I think it crosses over to the trans experience as well. Really good. Also like a brick. Drag, yeah. Drag, Drag Man by Stephen Appleby. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really interesting. I don't know what it is about, you may be telling us in a second, about autobiographical comics. They do tend to be quite thick, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about it all, but uh, yeah, okay, cool. Which should probably bring us to. Yeah. So Al's gonna, I'm gonna hand over to Al now and he's gonna ask um, Roger some questions about his own work. It's about time, Roger. So I think, <laughs> obviously we, you, you talked about the fact that you wanted to do a, a daily strip and you wanted to, that was primarily to put material together for your patron. Yeah, um, which obviously people should sign up for. Yeah. Um, but having done a diary comic, you, you introduced a number of real people yeah. into it. How did you deal with the interaction of getting those people to sign up to it? Uh, I just did it, really. Um, <laughs> I didn't do anything too wild to begin with. Um, in fact, I don't think I ever did anything too wild. Um, certain members of my family disagree. Uh, I, I, you know, I've always tried to be fairly respectful of their feelings, um, but my daughter at a certain point just said, no, I don't want to be in this anymore, uh, because it's on Instagram and my friends are on Instagram and they'll find out. Um, <laughs> uh, she didn't mind being in the books, because right. none of her friends are going to be in the books. <laughs> it's, just, it's, wow. it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so obviously that created a little bit of a boundary with regard to who was in it at certain points in time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certain times where I've had to where there's an event that I can't really ignore and I've had to try and figure out a way to acknowledge that event without putting my daughter in it. So sometimes her lines will go to somebody else. Sometimes, um, like when she went to university, I asked her permission to use her on that day and she said, yeah, that's, that's fine. Because that was a big deal. Um, 
and it was sort of a way of writing her out of the strip as well. That was nice. <laughs> so, but have you established yourself any other boundaries as you say, right, I've got, got lines against which I will not cross, or these are these are topics that I will not put into my, my diary? Well, I, um, mainly I, I don't want my family to look bad. I want me to be the sort of the worst person in the family, um, uh, simply because I acknowledge that they've um, put their trust in me by allowing me to put them in the strip at all. Um, and so I don't really want to abuse that trust. I don't mind making myself look like an arse. <laughs> I like that, though. That's one of the things that draws me to autobiocomics, is the fact that the people who, who are doing them aren't afraid of people yeah. laughing at them. It's the autobiocomics where people want to make themselves look like a hero. I don't really <laughs> want to know about it. Do you know what I mean? But even the drawing of you makes me laugh in this book, because it's, it's a very characterised version. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't look yeah. like me at all. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's designed for speed. It's something that I can do ah, in, like, okay. you know, three strokes. <laughs> so the 2020 collection, um, title The Plague's the Thing, um, in many ways this is also your COVID diary. Yes, I'd, I'd started doing the strip before COVID happened and I, when it happened it's it sort of, um, I, I was in this fortunate position that I, could, I was sort of documenting it from day one. Um, so, but, but as part of that, that meant that within the, the book there's a lot of your views with regards to the, how should I put this, institutional response um, uh, yes. <laughs> which meant that you're you know there's a lot of it ends up putting your political with a small p yeah you know, well, sometimes big p but yes yeah. big p um, again so that's I don't think people would think of you as being a, a political cartoonist um, no I don't think I am um, but if you're doing things about your own life that's inevitably going to creep in because that's you know real life involves politics whether you like it or not which kind of leads me to one of the is there any point where you thought, right, I'm going to do this particular bit of the story, or this, this is what happened yesterday? Did you fear any backlash? Not really. I mean, I was. When I say curated, there's two two levels of curation. Um, I curate what goes into the strip in the first place, and then that goes out to my Patreon backers, and then because I'm doing that seven days a week, but I'm only posting to Instagram Mondays to Fridays. I can drop out anything that I think is going to cause a stink and just share with the wider world the ones that I think. Um, I mean, they're basically there to drive people to the Patreon, yeah. so that's the point of yeah, that. Yeah. So I don't want to front people away, that's not really the point. Have we got a, like an after dark kind of version? You know? Well, it's not, it's not like that. <laughs> I mean, I do keep my pants on most of the time. Yeah, okay. um, not always, yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so as you then moved on to collecting it into, into an actual book, um, how did it feel looking back, because actually going through the process of collecting them, into the, I presume you went back through them all? Yeah, yeah, I had to did, sort of did that, reformat things. Was that, was that a, an odd, weird retrospective review to yourself? A little bit, yeah. I mean, there's obviously events that you've completely forgotten by the time you get round to putting the book together, because, you know, some of them are a year ago. Well, when I put that together, they maybe a year and a half ago, the early ones. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, it's, it's got a benefit for me in ways I hadn't anticipated when I started in that it's sort of a record of my life and I'm remembering things about my life that I wouldn't have remembered otherwise um, it's also a daily practice um, which I think is good for me as a, as a cartoonist just to have this this rock every morning that I do come rain or shine like a warm-up thing yeah, yeah almost yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean it sort of gets me into the into the right mood to do whatever I'm going to do for the rest of the day and um, in a way because you're doing it every day it just accumulates and you, you, your skills get better at doing that sort of thing 
Um, so you, you sort of improve without without really realizing it. When I look back at the early ones and compare them with what I'm doing now, it's, I can see it's there's a big big leap forward. Really. Yeah, I mean, with the dawn of the internet as well, so the you got the um, it's almost like content you're creating as well. Because a warm up would have been just something that might have gone in a drawer, been thrown. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Now, oh, I've got this content as well. Yeah, 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 that's a great idea. It's a, it's a way to sort of monetize your daily practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You mentioned there though that you were looking at the, the differences of, of how style has moved while, yeah. while you've been doing this. So when you were pulling it together to the collected edition, however, were there some that you felt you needed to redo or were there any that you felt you needed to pull out at that point? There were a couple where I made some factual errors that I fixed and there were a couple where I thought people's feelings might be hurt that I sort of dialed back a tiny bit. I didn't change the substance of it, but I maybe modified the language. Um, that's about it though. It's, it's pretty much wall-to-wall. So moving slightly forward as well, and this is almost moving into that horrible um, where do you get your ideas from type question, which I'm not going to ask. I know others do. But by producing a daily strip like you are, you are, you know, you're using up a lot of the ideas that you must be coming up with for, for other things. So do you feel at any point you're stealing an idea from your future self? Or do you, have you looked back and gone, oh, I wish I could lose. I need, you know, take that idea and build it into a bigger Fred the Clown story or build it into... The draining the current something. tank almost, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is because I'm doing this every morning before I start my paid work, what I used to do before that, if I got up early, I would write um, whatever my sort of ongoing project might be. Um, I've got some stuff that I've been serialising in Zoot, which is my self-published title that I did before I did these diary books. Um, Very good podcast. And I haven't <laughs> worked on Zoot for a couple of years at all, really. And I would love to get back to that, but that's sort of the time that I had set aside for Zoot is now taken up by the diary strip, so I have to figure out another way. Um, or, or find some way to buy myself a chunk of time that isn't going to be interrupted otherwise. So that's, I think the biggest sacrifice and that it, it does it's not that I'm taking up ideas from other work it's that I'm taking up time yeah, from being right. able to develop time ideas from freelance guys yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah got it yeah and obviously you've given your dog <laughs> uh, a big presence in the, the thing um, and, and you, you, you've given it um, a voice uh, from time you, to time yeah do you hear many voices it's funny um, in terms of well it's I think um when you're doing a daily strip and you see this in, in lots of people's work like Schultz would have things that he would go back to regularly because you know if you do Snoopy for a week that will give you ideas um, uh, you know just put Snoopy in a situation run various things off that and I'm kind of doing that only a small spread out I'm not doing like a week of me walking Luna but I'm doing a lot of strips about me walking Luna and I'm re returning to the same sort of well and it's so I've got a lot of running bits now so if I'm stuck for an idea I've got a running all these running bits in the air and I can pluck one of those out and that will usually give me somewhere to start because you know there is the tyranny of the blank piece of paper every morning yes yeah, yeah. Um, also a way of dealing with that conversely does that then reflect into the fiction you're doing so do you walk the dog and think this will make a great Muppet story <laughs> you know what I mean there's a bit of that going on is there um I I yeah I guess there's a, I think some of the more fanciful stuff I've done some of the um, bits where the dog takes on a different persona or right. where I've got a hunchback living in the basement. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. All that sort of thing. I was going to ask you about that. I, I, I am thinking, I, wouldn't it be a good idea to just do these characters who aren't part of my family and set them aside into their own project um, and bounce them off one another? 
how much reality needs to be in an autobiography? Um, I don't know. Um, I remember reading Seth's It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken as right. it was being serialised in Palookaville back in the day. And at the time, like everybody else, I assumed that was an autobiographical comic and it turned out and he made it all up. Um, but he put himself at the centre of the story. I was say, that's, it's all around him, isn't it? Yeah. He dresses yeah. that way and he yeah, does yeah, a yeah, life yeah. dress like that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was an interview I read where he said, well, that, that was my way of writing a story in the first person in comic strip form. It's basically using I as a narrator. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And it did sort of free up, I think it freed up a lot of people in when they were doing their sort of autobiographical comics in that, okay, not all of this has to be true as long as it makes a good story. Yeah. And as long as there's a foundation of, you know, your real self in there somewhere. We did a podcast about Robert Crumb recently, the three of us. Yes. And Christ, I hope that none of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So before I open it up to the, the, the crowd, one question is, so are we going to end up in a daily strip? <laughs> I, I never know until I sit down with the paper, you know. Um, Bring your agent. <laughs> <laughs> are there any questions? Yeah, so we're going to open up to questions. Hi. Um, I would like to say, I notice that whenever I write things that I understand on my own diary, that it gives me that depth of understanding about characters and emotions and how you would feel. It's just with what you're talking about, does it, having um, drawn your own um, autobiography, does that then change maybe the work you do that day? You put more emotion because you understand emotion more. Or does it affect you in that way? I think the main thing it does is. Um, it helps me to process things that have happened because I'm having to explain them to other people and in order to explain them to other people I have to maybe rephrase them, reframe them, put them into simpler language um, and it clarifies things for me, not just for my audience. So it means that I have a maybe a clearer idea of what I'm going through or what's happening or what's going on around me than I might otherwise. It doesn't necessarily affect your, the way you draw or something else um, that's not related to you? Uh, no, I don't think so, because um, with, I mean, it's possible it's doing it on an unconscious level, but I'm doing these very, very quickly. I'm doing these like in an hour. So um, uh, I don't really have time to sort of make those kinds of decisions. Yeah. It's, I'm just getting the lines down, really. See, I think the interesting play on that is that you're, you're doing this first thing in the morning. Yeah. So the daily stuff that I do, I do at night. So in many ways, it's, for me, it's almost similar. If I've had a bad day, yeah. <laughs> then whatever I put down is going to be affected possibly more by that yeah. than if I did it first thing in the morning and did it the other way around. That's interesting. It makes drawings as well. So I'd like to say I write, so I don't draw. I don't know how to draw. <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone does. It's just a muscle that needs to work out. Yeah, actually, I think doing it first thing in the morning means that I've had all night to process what's happened the previous day. So perhaps it's less raw when I'm doing it. Yeah, it's less emotional content yeah. sometimes if you're really peed off. Yeah, 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 definitely. Any other questions at all? So, yeah. Do you keep, like, do you have another little book that you have in your pocket and just keep a note for the next day? Here it actually comes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little black book? Yes. I'll give you a five if you give me a cake. I'll never remember anything that happened, like, at the next day if I didn't write it down. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I don't use it a lot. Um, generally, my... Um, uh, 
I, I think that if I don't remember it the next day, then it probably wasn't worth writing down in the first place. Um, and uh, if, if, it, if I had been going over it over and over in my head, um, often I've got the strip half written anyway before I sit down. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of put it in the lap of the gods to a, to a certain extent. If I don't remember it, then it's gone. Especially during COVID, but it seemed like time got sort of smooth. Yeah, out. and so many days were exactly like the previous one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Staring into the dead eyes of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> there was another question at the back. Yeah, not so much a question, but a, a message that I promised I'd pass on to Roger. Oh. So just this week, I persuaded my wife to pick up the page of the thing. She's not a comic reader, so I fully expected her to quietly put towards the side <laughs> for a day or so. But she's powering through it, and just last night she said, I feel like I'm really getting to know his family. <laughs> so when I said that you'd be here, she said, tell him how much I'm enjoying it. So That's wonderful to hear, thank you. you. Know, in my family, it was the one, the page where everybody in your family's got a different name for Luna, the dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in our family, it's like, oh, yeah, we do that. We've all got their own <laughs> names. And yeah, one of them is Fart Crumpet or something <laughs> like that. You know? Did you say Fart Crumpet? Fart Crumpet, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, this is one we haven't got on a slide. This is uh, 12th of June 2020, the fire. Just, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is the one with Luna going for a walk in the park. And uh, you say you're going to take a break from social media, media, and the dog says, very wise, you need to look after your mental health. And it's, wait, you talk now? And he says, yeah, it's just a narrative device. I wouldn't pay too much attention. <laughs> I mean, funny enough, I think comics, autobiocomics are a great way to get people into comics sometimes. In Waves has been a great one for that, for people who just don't read comics, but they're sort of... We've, we've, we all are interested in other people, aren't we? I'd love to know the secret lives of, especially yes, <laughs> the secret lives of people in this room. Do you know what I mean? But uh, I think it's a great way to get people on. And we, that's all we're trying to do, isn't it? Spread the comics love. Is get people into comics. Yeah. Any other questions at all before we finish up? No, guys? Okay. Well, thanks for that. It was really good. Really nicely interactive. You can find us all um, online. So Roger's at Hotel Fred. Is that Twitter and Instagram? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. And on Instagram, you'll get, well, actually, on Twitter, you both get daily the comic on there, I think. Yeah, I've got yeah. a thing set up so that when I post to Instagram, it goes to Twitter. Yeah, so you see these daily on those, but also go to Roger Storm, buy this one, and you've got the new one, is that? Yes, yeah, I just uh, came out a couple of weeks ago. So, so this is the 2020 diary. That's 2020, and the, the, the new one's 2021, and I've almost finished 2022 now. From Roger's desk. Yeah, you've made her off your own back there, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. I'll see you in three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, does. You can find Eamon at the MCBC podcast, the Mega City Book Club podcast on Twitter, which um, you still weekly or bi-weekly? Again? We're bi-weekly, but don't worry about the podcast. There's a charity comic called DUI. It's an anthology comic. You'll find it at these two guys' tables right on your right just as you go out. Have a look at it. Um, nine pounds all the proceeds from this weekend are going to cancer research uk but we're also um even if you don't buy the comic there's an email address on the back you can take a picture of we're looking for submissions from writers and artists for dui3 for next year also we'll be for raising money for charity and we will put the writers with artists and vice versa or Eamon will so it's not you don't have to present yourself with it you found it. you don't have to find an artist yourself if you've got a good enough story um, and Eamon likes it, he's the editor, Jay Jones and Jameson, of it. Um, the, uh, he'll sort you out. But yeah, Send me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, um, have a listen to the Mega City Book Club. It's a great podcast um, all about um, British comics. I've, I've 
love listening to that. It's one of my favourite things every week. You can find Alan at Shadow92 and all of his penguins. Alan and I also podcast regularly, as I do with Eamon, um, on the Never On Anything podcast where we talk about a comic subject. We sort of pick it apart. There is one on Roger. He's never mentioned it to us. I don't know if he likes it. We'll find out soon. <laughs> but the, uh, every, week, every two weeks is a different one. So have a listen to that. And you can find... Penguin at Penguin um, on any form of social media. Or just find the outside here. Just there. <laughs> yeah, just outside and right. And Roger, did you change my Twitter handle to twerking daily? <laughs> is that you? No, anyway, you can find me in the Never Anything podcast. But thanks, guys. Really, thank you very much. Really appreciate you. And thank you to Roger.